It's the Heart of a Fighter show, guys. Welcome back. Happy Friday evening here in California. It's the show where we share stories about fitness, successes, give you guys tips on how to stay in shape today. We're going to talk about what happens when you party a little too much and try to stay in shape and how to wrap your head around changing that lifestyle for the better. Welcome into the show, guys. It's the Heart of a Fighter. It's your coach, Johan. Hope you guys are doing good, and this podcast finds you guys doing well. Um, this is the show where I share a little bit of my expertise and my experiences in training 30,000 hours over 15 years. I'm CSCS certified. Hopefully, those stories give you guys the motivation you need to get after it and hit your goals. Those goals could be fitness. They could be lifestyle goals. I want to share things that I've heard from other people that I've met along my fitness journey. Pass them on to you guys, hoping that those stories can inspire you to do better. Guys, I want to talk to you about a lifestyle trend that we all fall into in our 20s especially some of us carry it on into our 40s and beyond one of the legal activities in America when you turn 21 we can all go out we can all drink we love to do it it's part of the rites of passage for most Youngsters here in California and I'm sure across the country. Some of us take that onto a lifestyle, the club, the parties, the house parties, the get togethers, the social drinking, which leads to social smoking, which leads to other habits. Some of us have gotten so deep into those lifestyles that we've maybe been pulled over by cops, got arrested for DUIs. Maybe it's affected us negatively. Maybe we've met the person of our dreams at these parties, at these get-togethers, whatever. But part of the drinking culture exists not just in our college years or in our 20s. A lot of it occurs uh, at work. We're expected to show up for parties and social gatherings, I guess. Christmas parties, retirement parties, promotions, whatever it is. Just just team building activities. And you know you're going to be 10 sheets by the end of the night. Or that one person's going to be 10 sheets. Let's say that person is you. You like to drink, right? You like a little tequila. You like a margarita. You like four of them. You don't mind. You can handle your own. You're going to drink up on Friday because you know on Saturday you got to get back into the gym, back to that healthy lifestyle. Some of us might even have jobs that require us to drink because we have to entertain clients. We want to hang out with the boss, and the boss knows that, hey, it's good for all of us to get together and socialize and Therein, we're going to have a couple beers, a few wines. Some people don't like to stop at two. It's almost impossible. And so it becomes a very real situation for us to be in when we're just around alcohol or any type of drinking culture. And I'm don't I'm going to stop short in talking about alcoholics, right? Um... This is just part of our culture. It's part of how we get to know each other and socialize. I remember a long time ago, one of my first clients was a pretty avid social drinker. She would come in. Her name was Katie. She would... 
work out incredibly hard. But she was always on the tail end of a hangover. And I mean like three or four times a week. Before I go any further, I will admit there are times in my life where I've been on the tail end of a hangover a few times a week too. And nothing drains you more than drinking too much constantly throughout the week. It has a huge toll on your mood, at your appetite, your sleep patterns, everything. Right? Because alcohol in essence is kind of pernicious to our body, to our cells. It breaks down cell membranes. It is a depressant, so it has ill effects on our hormones, which then affect our mood. Because it breaks our sleep patterns, it can affect, again, our mood and energy levels. But it also affects our eating patterns. And when they start affecting our sleep and our eating patterns, well, things become shitty. Katie was a a great woman. She was, um, we were in our, both of us were in our early 20s. She moved here from uh, the south. She was a very likable, very pretty young girl. You know, she had rosy, big rosy cheeks, platinum blonde ponytail, very infectious attitude. Southern hospitality all the way around, through and through. Something that's not very common out here in, in California, right? Is this is this cheery attitude. The South in general is a different ball game down there. It's another country compared to 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 California. I don't it's it's strange to think that California is in the same f- fucking continent as parts of the South. Because you can Easily spend an entire day running errands and no one will ask you how your day is <laughs> in <laughs> in the Bay Area, right? But if you go to the South and you don't ask someone how their day is or how they're doing, you look like an asshole. It's a different ballgame. That, that, hosp- that hospitality they talk about, it's a very real thing. And this lady, Katie, was bubbling bubbling with it and I had the pleasure of meeting her and it was a nice synergy she's my first client I was a rookie trainer she made it easy to train because she was an ex cross country runner so she already had the motivation built in it was a good experience for me to test out all my new shit on someone that was very game for it and she allowed me to practice and basically threw a lot of underhanded lobs over home plate for me to to swing on with regards to her needs. She didn't make me dig very hard, as is the case with most people when you enter the gym, right? Most people, when they enter training, are very nervous about the process. They're very apprehensive because the future's unknown. And so there's a lot of untying of previous misconceptions. There's a lot of hurdle jumping and getting over fears and moving forward. And as a coach, you have to be aware and open to those things. Miss Katie was very, very easy on me in those ways. But she was hard on herself. Right? A lot of times she would be running her ass off at the gym on the treadmill. She'd be running hard. And I would probably getting hit on a lot. A lot. Because we had a very communal gym. She's a cute, cute young lady. Uh, She would get approached a lot. But she would run so hard. And I remember every time I would... (laughs) Go and swoop her up for training. She'd be over there kicking ass on the treadmill, sweating bullets, running three miles, doing her thing, right? At 135 pounds and 5'1". And I always felt like she was running because she was atoning for something. That was just my general general impression. And what was she atoning for? 
a night of revelry. That hardcore drinking shit. That wake up the next day and wonder where your fucking keys are shit. That state of where are my shoes? Whose house is this? Something straight out of an atmosphere song. Right? I'll never forget talking to her one day. She's crying. Well, she began crying. She was bawling. And the tears running down her her rosy face. And I'm sitting here talking to her about what's going on. And, of course, you know, she's not a Californian. So she's learning the culture out here. She's got high demands, making a lot of money, taking clients out to eat, doing her job as a corporate on the corporate side of selling whatever product they were selling and constantly having to throw back shots and have a good ass time while maintaining balance within her own life and that shit is hard to achieve she's crying hard telling me basically it's hard to manage all these things You have to understand, Katie was a drinker and a proud one at that. The shots she would start off the night with. And then by night, I mean like the sky just wasn't totally blue. I mean, they would go in at happy hour and they would work their way until 10, 11 p.m. all to get that sale. And she would... Start off with with shots. They were usually tequila, which is man. I mean, welcome to California, from from the from the deep south, and you're drinking fucking tequila. Like, welcome to the NFL, rookie. Right? She starts off the night drinking tequila. They order appetizers. They go to the one of those Japanese restaurants where they do the the cook like Benihana. They get appetizers, shrimp, poppers, mozzarella sticks, cob salads. Meanwhile, the tequila and or vodka, well, it's flowing. The sambuca, the gnocchi, it's coming in fast. All the while, she has to be pleasant, entertaining, engaging, and talk up a storm. Keeping her clients engaged. But she's doing this four times a fucking week. Pretty much every day. Then waking up 6 a.m. Getting to her job. And by 4 o'clock she's in the gym every day. What happens in people when they start these patterns? What happens typically is people will start to build up this almost iniquitous drinking habit. Where drinking is a necessary evil in their lives. And they atone for it or repent for it at the gym. This this pattern exists in a lot of folks who have very social lives. Very active social lives. And so the gym becomes and fitness becomes this redemptive um, culling of... And quelling of ill feelings that exist or this this balancer. And guys, I got to tell you, it's tough. It doesn't really work like that. Your fitness has to be tied in. It has to anchor. The Rock, I remember, said one thing very inspiring. He said his fitness anchors his day. Well, I'll take it a step further and say that your fitness should anchor your life. Everything you do should be tied in to the reasons you decide to work out every day. Even if it's your doctor saying you got to do 30 minutes and 10,000 fucking steps every day, right? That should be the linchpin wherein everything you do is tied to the same motivators in your life, which is why I believe so strongly in staying in shape and getting the truth 
about ways to work that out to you guys because that shit should anchor a lot of what you do in your daily lives. When you push a little bit harder, when you run a little bit further, when you lift a little bit more, it's because you desire just a little bit more out of the out of your friends and out of yourself, out of your coworkers from yourself. And when we get into the habit of making fitness this reconciliation, this 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 confession, well we end up just kind of spinning our wheels, don't we? And our fitness goals, even if they're not set in stone, go nowhere fast. That's why Katie was crying, because she was coming to that stark realization. I don't want you guys to get to that realization. In fact, you don't have to. You don't have to hit any type of rock bottom. That wasn't a horrible rock bottom, but you guys don't have to hit any type of rock bottom. All you have to do is stay aware. She's telling me how hard it is that day, and I told her, you know, do your best. In the gym. Find time for yourself. Take. More time. More energy. And use it on your goals. That was basically what I told her. And it helped her change. Of course she still had some of those obstacles. But it helped her kind of realize. She stopped crying. Right. It's not like I was trying to put a fire out. But she did stop crying for that minute. And she gathered herself. So, watching her, it wasn't like I can tell her, or I'm not going to tell you guys to stop partying. But I am going to tell you guys, the balance of the two doesn't work. There is no balance when you spend too much time Drinking and partying. And then atoning for it in the gym later on. It's an unfortunate mix. It's anathema. They don't even come close to canceling each other out. The better way is to focus on fitness goals and have those be their own thing. Katie would come into the gym. Sometimes. All... Basically all the time fucking hungover. All the time. Maybe. Maybe. Two days. I'd see her two or three times a week. She was hungover definitely twice. Two of those times. And every time she'd be at the gym not really training with me. She was definitely most of the time hungover. And I would. I would. Sometimes she'd burp and she'd be like. Oh. It smells like a martini. It smells like tequila. And I. And I would, <laughs> we're, we're doing, you know, we're doing work on the ground and I have her kneel and she'd be like, oh, excuse me, God, it smells like fucking tequila. And lucky for me, I never smelled it. But just that headspace where you are so deep into your, your vices that working out, I mean, at that point, you're just canceling it out, aren't you? You're just killing one workout. With one night of extreme drinking. Now this isn't to say that you can't do both. People do it all the time. People will go to the bar. At night they'll drink their ass off. But by then they've built up a hella high tolerance. So that they don't even have to worry about a hangover. They know exactly what to drink. They know in what proportions. They know that they have to chug twice the amount of Pedialyte. Or water. In order to get a crack in the next day. And get in the gym and stay healthy. There's a formula to it. There's levels to this drinking shit and some people have that shit down to a science with people like that though they'll often peak right they'll often spend one day drinking a shit ton and the next day crashing out it happens but one thing I always notice is when those people take it a little too far they always spend the time in the gym trying to walk or run off their hangovers and guys If you're in that mode, 
you don't necessarily have to stop drinking, but stop wasting your workouts. Stop wasting your workouts. Um, over time, we managed to lose some weight with Katie, and it always came in concert with her taking time from drinking or drinking less. And when I say drinking less, I mean she would only have three drinks. She would find ways to eat before she went out so that she wouldn't eat junk food on the way home or at, at the bar. She would find a means to drink less. And those things started to help. And what I noticed was she started to lose weight. She noticed it too when she cut back on her drinking. And it's not rocket science. But what she did was take change into her own hands. What happens when we drink? When we drink a shit ton of Bacardi, whiskey, vodka, gin. gin. I mean, if you're drinking just gin, uh, and it's not an aperitif, like what are you doing with your life? Come on. But what happens is we start drinking, we get lethargic. As it is a depressant, we start to feel like crap the next day. Those withdrawal symptoms, they're not mitigated by anything. Not water, not Gatorade, nothing. You just got to kind of wait for it to go away. Your heart rate, it's probably been elevated higher than it has been all day. It's been steadily at 100. So now your body is physically exhausted. Your mind has to sharpen up more on menial tasks that you could do without even thinking about because your body is constantly trying to recycle ethanol out of its system. You're not getting much done. You're pissed off. And now you have to go and work out. It's going to suffer. You don't have, not only those motor units are kind of dulled, right? But you're tired. You might have missed a meal because you ate too much last night. You didn't eat breakfast. You're lethargic. And it just becomes this cycle. And when you do it two or three times... You're not getting any benefit out of your workout. Forget that alcohol itself is is um, almost twice as many calories than, than protein or carbohydrates. So you're actually getting more calories. And you can get all those calories. You can easily take down, you know, four or five shots here in an hour. And you're talking about 500 calories there alone. Then, you know, multiply that out if you're a veteran drinker. Forget that you can get all kinds of calories in when you drink too much. But it makes you feel like crap. And so there's got to be a balance. And that balance has to exist outside of your avid social life. I have people now who cut back on their drinking. And they're able to give more energy in their workouts. Look, I love me some good alcohol. I love rum. I love Jamaican rum specifically. I love whiskey. I love beer. And when I say love, I mean I enjoy me some fucking beer. I mean I enjoy whiskey. I literally enjoy the flavor and taste of Jamaican rum. I'll take some whiskey. I'll I'll have it shaken for me in a shaker and strained into a glass. If you're drinking it over the rocks, reevaluate your life. Reevaluate your entire life. What are you doing? Why are you wasting it? I'm that type of drinker. But for me personally, I know the truth. This shit, it's it's quite it's a it's a downer and your body kind of thinks of it as poison. <laughs> right? And how can you have success? When you're essentially poisoning your body in very tiny doses. I mean, alcoholics who go through withdrawals can pass can die from those withdrawals. That's how powerful uh, alcohol is. With physiologically, right? Alone. And the addiction or the semi-addiction, it exists. It exists. And so when... Drinking too much Hennessy is your problem and you go to work out. 
your results, they will, you won't get any. I can offer, I can only offer this, really, is you got to cut back on your partying. Cut back on the lifestyle where you're seeking forgiveness in the gym for what you've done, (laughs) for the self-inflicted hangovers and, and odious behaviors you partake in after far too many Moscow mules, okay? I won't be imperiously proleptizing the advantages of sobriety and clean living and lifestyles. That's definitely not going to happen for most of you. Most of us do like to partake in some form of libation over time. And so that option, um, it's not really on the table. But the truth is, notice, be aware. Be aware that those Friday workouts before you go out, maybe we're preparing for some kind of of uh, of onslaught of drinking and know that you've just wasted a workout because the two rarely go hand in hand. I, in fact, I remember a student that I had a couple years ago. This guy was, oh, he's a little guy. He's like 5'4", probably 130 pounds, lean, pretty lean, and a great guy. He was a uh, great speaker. I wonder why he'd come into the gym with bloodshot ass eyes every time I see him. His lady was in my class, and he was, um, uh, when I took over this class, you know, he'd tell me that the guy before never made him work hard. And the first two days I met him, I made him do a quarter mile sprint right out of the gate. And I had to scream at the top of my lungs for him to get going. And he actually came to a respect that I pushed him. But I used to wonder why he came in with bloodshot eyes every every uh, Monday and Thursday. And on the, I mean, we're doing some good power li- uh, power lifts. We're doing Olympic style lifting and power lifting on these days. Strength and, straight up strength and conditioning, bars, bumper plates, kettlebells, the whole nine. And he was such an approachable dude. Everyone liked him. He'd even bring in food for everyone in the in the class in the gym to 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 part. This was a kickboxing gym, so everyone knew each other pretty much. So he'd even bring in like gobs of food. It turns out this guy was a keynote speaker. He was a he didn't look like a a a just a torrential force in in his field, but he was. I can honestly say the guy probably he probably got shit done and he would come in with these bloodshot eyes. And oftentimes I'd look at him and be like, uh, hey, uh, you know, you'd be talking to me and be like, what, what the fuck happened? And he'd be like, oh, I think I had one too many wines. For the record, when you tell me you had one wine, I'm like your daddy. I know you had three. I'm not stupid. I've run, everybody has run the same game on their parents, on their unsuspecting parents, their baby boomer parents. When you tell them, when you tell your your coach you did one, you smoked one bowl, come on. So I figured the guy was always high. But no, it turns out he had been drinking and also entertaining clients before he came in. And he had no energy to give. Because he's eating before he comes in. He's eating fried food. And then after he leaves, he's going to go get some uh, extravagant dinner somewhere. And it's it's like, where was his motivation? Now, more power to the guy for coming in and actually working out. While having like booze in his system, <laughs> you know, it's not the worst. I think after two drinks, you're really just fucking yourself. But 
you know, he, he, he tried. I give him that. But his, his, his workout sucked. And I'd be like, man, what are you doing? I tell him, you gotta, you gotta, you can't drink before you come in to work out this many times. Like every last four times I've seen you. You're talking about you have alcohol in your system. And his workouts were terrible. Terrible. He'd run slow. And here's a guy who looks like, even if he didn't work out more than twice a week, he should be able to complete. He's 130 pounds. He should be able to complete a um, half a mile run in five minutes, in six minutes. And, I mean, he would run these two buildings by the gym and he'd be slow and jogging and when he'd get back it looked like he just smoked a fucking cigar to the head and I'm looking at him like man you are in bad shape and so I would tell him you know you can't do this like what are you doing he's like I gotta entertain the clients man I gotta get the sales I'm like yeah I understand that but you also have a responsibility to perform your best He eventually chose to stick to what he was doing, but there were times where I got through to the guy, where I got through to him, and he, again, there's no way to do both. You can't do that thing where you put fucking your toe in the door and expect to get some kind of results. You have to go all in with your fitness if you want any type of results, with your lifting, with your kettlebell technique. With your fucking daily runs, with your commitment to do hill runs, with your weight vest and jump rope workouts, you have to go all the way in. And oftentimes, over socializing and drinking prevents us from doing that because you just don't have the energy. You just don't. Not only are you giving the lion's share of your energy to placating or entertaining someone else. And then thinking you're going to take all that energy and power back immediately in one workout. Doesn't exist, you guys. Doesn't exist. Put the glasses down the week of the workout. Make it a priority to drink less. If you're one of those people that notices that they can't remember the last time they didn't have a dinner wine or a or a dinner beer. It's time. It's it's time for a breather. Not so much that this is going to be. A paradigm. Hyperbolic shift. In your attitudes and behaviors. But your workouts are going to get a lot better. So is your fitness. So is your sleep. And when those things start to change. You will get stronger. You will get better. In your fitness. And you won't have to dump a lot of workouts out. When this particular guy started to change that, I noticed, yeah, he was a lot better. He was a lot better in the gym. He'd donate a lot more strength, and we actually saw him bench. I I mean, he wasn't strong at all. At all. His girlfriend, I think, outlifted him, him and everything, and she was pretty strong anyways. But he actually was able to advance. Cheers. To that groundswell of pride that I felt in that one moment. Um, aside from drink, I mean, I've had I've had clients do the same thing, come in hungover. I want I wanted to change subjects, but I'm gonna stick to this one for a little bit. Or it's Friday. And margaritas are waiting and and clients will come in drinking. I had a client come in with a with a with a cup of beer in the morning once. I don't know what it is with us and alcohol. We seem to love it and try to like work it into our fitness. But as much as I love to drink, I just if I am gonna drink, if I am gonna party I probably am just going to give up on my workout. But immediately after that, I'm going to give up on drinking. And when I say give up, I just mean I'm not going to drink. Maybe if I go out on a Friday and I'm really, really going to drink that night. 
Because, hey, we all do it. If I am going to drink and have a good time, whatever, and be safe at the same time, right? I'm not going to work out that day or the night because I know, hey, I might be hungover. Or if I do, hey, my workout's going to suffer. I'm not expecting gains that next day. Maybe it's just part of my routine. But I know after that, I'm going to get back back to reality, back to the grindstone, back to work. And I'm going to go back in and work hard. And that, guys, is where you need to be. We can't trade one for the other. It doesn't work. I have a, I had a group of clients that used to drink on Friday evenings and then come into the gym. They'd meet up for happy hour and then come and work out. And as jovial as they were throughout the workout, the workout sucked. I'm trying to make a case for adequate drinking and positive workout gains, and I can't seem to find any. You guys heard me talk about the habits. You heard me talk about the sacrifice you make in having a party lifestyle and a workout lifestyle. I conclude a two. Hey, unlike a nice whiskey and one cube of of solid ice, the two just don't mix. I also wanted to touch on today in the same vein of fitness is uh, hit intervals. I wanted to talk a little bit about cardio and working out and which one people seem to always have the question, how much cardio, how much lifting, which one first? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. A little science for you. When you start running, when you start your run, even if you're going to run for fucking 10 miles on a treadmill, when you start your running, your legs, your legs are going to start using some creatine, right? They're going to use a little creatine. Um, they're not, they might not deplete all of it because as you're running in the first three minutes of your run, your legs especially, but all your muscles that are working are using creatine. It's also regenerating it. But because we're not doing maximal lifts, it's not depleting all of your creatine. So you are using creatine. You are using your big muscles to run initially because they do contribute to all types of lifts, but they're not the predominant movers. Big muscles, creatine, those are associated with doing power lifts, with doing sprints, with doing plyometrics, with doing anything that's super intense. Yes, they start working when you start running. That's probably surprising, but it's true. Those are the things that stay in shorter demand in your body. And big creatine is. And your big muscles, well, they don't fire at the same intensity for long. Slow twitch muscle fibers do. And those are the guys that are associated with your running. Those are the guys that are associated with your lighter lifts. Those are the ones that are associated with lifts that require a lot of isometrics or stability training. Those are your slow twitch muscle fibers. So which one first, lifting or cardio? Lifting or cardio? Cardio or lifting? Well, here's the deal. When you do your cardio first, know that, yes, you've used muscles, muscle creatine, and you've used your strongest muscle fibers. You haven't depleted them but you've used them first. You've elevated your heart rate past resting into steady state. Those things are advantageous are advantageous for starting to do a lift and probably in your run you've started to use definitely liver glycogen but probably started to use some of your muscle glycogen as well. Those things are mainly reserved for not in so much endurance but are mainly reserved for a anaerobic kind of training day. Um, did I say anaerobic? Aerobic kind of a training day, right? So, after about 20 minutes or whenever you hit your lactic acid threshold, typically 13, 14, 15, 17, 20 minutes based on your fitness level. I'm trying to go over this pretty fast, so excuse the octaves in my voice. 
But right when you're around those parts, those times, your body maybe starts to use more glycogen for your lifts and and fat. And so that glycogen ain't going to be available for you when you start lifting. Now, you're not running on your hands, so you're going to have upper body strength. Excuse me, you're going to have upper upper body energy, an energy source. You're going to have glycogen in your biceps, in your shoulders, your chest, your upper back, even though you are swinging them. You're going to still probably have some glycogen. So you can go ahead and run, but for how long? At what point do you burn out all of your liver glycogen, muscle glycogen? Well, when you achieve steady state, probably 20 20 minutes in, 25 minutes, 30 definitely, usually 40 unless you're in really, 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 really bad shape. Probably after 20, 25 minutes, your body will be completely aerobic, 30 minutes typically. At that point, steady state's happening. You're probably using a lot of fat. Your heart rate starts to drop in the 130s for you know, a 40-year-old, 30-year-old, late 40, 20-year-old person, and you're at steady state. You're burning probably 70% to 80, um, excuse me, 70% fats in your body. Once you do that, you've probably used up all your glycogen in your liver, probably, if you haven't loaded it over time, and whatever is left in your legs. This is the time where an upper body workout would be nice. In fact, you could probably do a lower body workout also, but you're not going to have the the anaerobic capacity to do it because your blood sugar is probably shot at this point and your glycogen is dropped. And yes, this means you're not going to be able to do reps that are super heavy after your run. I've done it before. I've suffered for it too. That doesn't mean you can't get stronger. What that does mean is you can match the intensity of your cardio. Get your body into steady state again through lifting, which is essentially doing lifts that are high in reps, rep count, lower in weight. Yeah, you will. your body will still want to use glycogen, which at this point probably is coming from branched-chain amino acids or various amino acids, uh, ketogenic or otherwise, that are going to be burned in your body to exact a fuel source, which your body is then going to use. Yes. Now let's think of, so yes, after about 25 minutes of running, any type of cardio, you can safely lift. Don't expect to be lifting max tensions because all those sources have been depleted, if not entirely, in part. So definitely, yes, that's the answer there. Let's switch it around. Should I do my weightlifting first? Well, it depends what type of weightlifting. Let's say you're going to do your one rep maxes, your two, three, four, five rep maxes, up to eight sub-maximal lifts. Of any kind, right? But the intensity is so hard that eight reps is your limit. I actually like doing my weights first because it's harder. Well, guess what? I know that my creatine systems, my big muscle fibers type 2X are going to be ready for action early in any type of workout, cardio or otherwise. And so I'm going to use every molecule of creatine, every muscle fiber and motor unit for those lifts. And those lifts are going to be the best they can be, meaning I'm going to get better the next time I go in the gym. So I can do those first safely. Once I do those first safely and I get my gains, I start to work uh, six rep maxes. Then I go to five rep maxes. Then I do three sets of that. And maybe I'll do the back of my legs. Then I do my entire quads, whatever. After I do that for about a half hour, all my glycogen in those muscles is depleted in the muscles, the local muscles. Maybe my liver glycogen is spared because it tends to spare itself in those situations, guys. When that happens, I can go ahead and jump on the treadmill. All that's going to happen is, or I can go for a run. My legs are going to be tired. My legs are tired now because I don't have any glycogen. In fact, the lifting probably hasn't got my body into an aerobic stage unless I was doing very lightweight and high reps. 
and I can go ahead and start running and I will have liver glycogen to help fuel me until I get to steady state. What will probably happen is because my glycogen in my liver, because my blood sugar has already been shot, I will reach my lactic acid threshold a lot earlier. I will get to steady state a lot sooner. My heart rate's going to shoot up a lot faster. It'll be a much harder run. And my steady state will probably be, I'll probably reach my steady state later as my heart rate begins to decline a little bit later than it normally would. And that's after a lift. And my run, it might be a little bit more arduous, but I can still definitely do it. Hell, if it's more arduous, it'll take me a little longer. If it takes me longer, I burn more calories. Now, let's... Add in scenario, that was scenario 2A, right? Weights before running, now 2B. Light lifting before cardio. If I do light lifts, I'm definitely going to start to access all of my cardio gain, uh, all my glycogen. My glycogen is going to be depleted because I'm doing high reps. My heart rate will actually start to climb to a point where it might even break through the lactic acid threshold. As my VO2 max increases with the intensity of my lifts, the shortened amount of rest period between my lifts because I'm doing uh, lighter weights. If I'm doing front squats and I'm doing like, you know, uh, the bar and a couple tens and I'm doing 20 reps just to get a burn in, my glycogen is definitely going to be beat, but my creatine system and my max, my, my big muscle fibers, 2X, are probably not going to be depleted as they would be if I did plyometrics, heavy lifting, Olympic lifting. And so those muscles, that creatine, yes, only for three minutes or so, are going to contribute to the beginning of my cardio session. And in this case, if I do light lifting, it would probably behoove me to do an interval type of cardio after because now I'm going to see more gains in my interval cardio because my glyc- my creatine hasn't been burnt off and my big muscle fibers are still ready for work, I might go ahead and say yes. Do some interval interval type training because I, that allows me for hard sprints and deep rest periods in between and also jumping rope. Jumping rope, something plyometric, low, low um, kind of medium plyometric. But that requires me, yes, to use my creatine, regenerate that creatine, and use as my heavy muscle fibers also. So there you have it. The penultimate answer. Depends on what your goals are. Really does. It really does. If you have a need to get better with, say, if you have a competition and that competition is a is a distance run, honestly, I would experiment with light lifting then running after. Force yourself to work in a lactic acid threshold that has been um reduced. Because of your lifts. Now you can kind of train at steady state when that steady state happens earlier. And I don't mean a marathon. Right? I would say if you're looking to increase your power. I would say definitely don't run first. In fact, running distances and power training are anathema. Your runs will get better. Your power will decline. I've done it. I've tried it. Every textbook will tell you the same, right? Running is like a bitch if you're trying to put on power. And it's it's a little bit harder to put on size. Talking, talking runs of three miles, two and a half miles, two miles hard, right? So if you have a competition and it's a distance competition, like a little 5K, maybe even a 10K, I say, yeah, go ahead and lift Light first. You can give it a shot. If you have a, um, if you're looking to just get better, um, 
maybe you get muscle hypertrophy or build strength, you can run first. And the only benefit there is you have more energy to contribute to your run. So maybe if you're looking to get better at your cardio while also building strength, I don't see a reason why if you want to spend a whole day doing something of each, you couldn't run first and then do very sub-max eight-rep lifts later. As far as heavy lifting and then running, um, that's pretty much just the domain of bodybuilders. And then the runs are kind of long distance. So there you have there you have it. That's my opinion on uh, on that, and it's backed by by science. In in as much where doing endurance training and endurance cardio is probably gonna hamper your power adaptations, and doing power doesn't necessarily focusing on your power and your strength doesn't negatively impact your running. So if you're looking to get better at your power, you probably don't want to keep running for distance. And if you want to get better at your endurance and distance, just sacrifice your power. But you don't need to sacrifice your strength. Uh, in future times, we'll talk about strength and power and the differences. Anyways, guys, I hope that helps you out a little bit. Please, guys, download this podcast. I want reviews. So give me reviews. Tell me what you really think, what I can improve, but tell me what you think. I'm looking forward to getting live questions. I'm reaching out to people as this thing grows. So give me feedback at Johan at JohanUnderdogTraining.com. I will see you guys next week. I'm preparing a new segment in between these long-form podcasts. So you'll be able to to get with that too. All right, you guys. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Cool.